Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Emma Gunn Show. Thank you for joining me. In this episode, I'm going to be chatting to Kagi Dunlop. Now, you may know Kagi from the show Made in Chelsea. She was on it for a brief spell. Uh, you may also know her from her Instagram feed. She's a singer, a songwriter. Um, she's a writer. She's a poet. There's so much to Kagi, but she also has a podcast called Girl's Guide to the Galaxy. And I'd started listening to this and thought... I think it's about time that we podcasters get together and have a wee old chat. Not least because uh, one of the topics that she talks about is um, anxiety, talking about uh, how to overcome certain things in life, various hurdles that we all face. And it's a really helpful resource. And I think, you know, as many voices there are out there talking about this sort of stuff and reassuring people that they are not alone is a really positive thing. Kagi's such an interesting character. Um... If you're a regular listener to this podcast, you know that I have an unhealthy obsession with um, all things reality TV, especially when it comes to The Real Housewives. If you haven't checked out The Real Housewives of Auckland, please do. It is savage, as Lita Dunham said, um, where I had a conversation on Twitter this week with Nadine Baggett about it, um, where we suggested that Nina join our group chat talking about Auckland, and she liked it, which was, you can imagine, the, the screams of hysteria and... Uh, things that happened over that WhatsApp message group after that. Lena, you're welcome on the show anytime to discuss. But Kagi was on um, a show called Made in Chelsea. She was on when it very started. And she was one of those characters who, and I use the word character because obviously you don't really get the full measure of what somebody's actually like if you watch them on a reality show. But there was always something quite intriguing about her. And she's also one of the few people who have sort of seemed to have uh, come out of reality TV unscathed. She's never compromised herself in order to continue or stay on a show to get a storyline or any of those things. So I always thought, well, there seems to be quite a lot to Kagi. I'd love to have a chat with her. And so that is um, what we did. That's exactly what we did. So before we get to that, I'm also just going to tell you what has been happening this week to me. Um, and I thought about all the things that I could chat to you about because it's been such a lovely week. I recorded a podcast with Lindsay Kelk from Full Coverage, um, which is another beauty podcast. She and a makeup artist called Harriet recorded in LA. She was over in London. We hung out at the Bobby Brown Pro Store and just chatted. And it was one of the most amazing things that's happened this year. She is just hilarious. That show will be coming to you very, very soon. Um... 
And then we ended up going and having a, a drink with Ree from Really Ree, which was absolutely delightful. But I sort of thought, well, I could go through my diary and tell you about every meeting I've had because it's been exciting. But I came down to haircuts. Now, the reason I wanted to talk about this, I actually did a post this week about thinning hair and I'm not going to, to sort of skirt over the issue. We are going to definitely be talking about that, guys. Do not worry. And I'm going to be doing a dedicated show on it. But I went to the hairdressers and I am very much of the opinion there aren't really terrible hairdressers there are te there's terrible communication and I had that situation this week and I always say to somebody um if they say they've had a bad haircut or they don't like their color I always say look hair grows color fades honestly in six weeks we won't be having this conversation and six weeks isn't really that long when you think about it now I have thinning hair at the front or thin hair at the front so I'm quite sensitive about when I go to the hairdressers like I don't there are certain things I'm like oh no please don't do that please don't use a serum on my hair I'm quite because I know that it will look awful and so this is just um about communication and the fact that you know if you aren't communicating with your hairdresser or you know that when you say fringe and you're thinking wispy thing that parts in the middle that kind of magically sort of has a little bit of a kink in it and almost acts like a pair of curtains, like beautifully drawn curtains to frame my face. If you know that you're thinking that and your hairdresser's thinking big Jesse J fringe, you, you have to start from scratch. And I had a situation this week, lovely hairdresser, but we were talking, we were using the same vocabulary, but seeing different things. And it reminded me that it's so important to sometimes say, we're, do you know what, actually, I know I came in for a cut today. Um, could, we, could I just have a blow dry? Because if you think that, because I sat there and I watched and I knew that things were happening to my hair that I knew I'm going to have to live with for six weeks. <laughs> and they're things that really frustrated me. And although I do like to think that, you know, hair grows colour fades, I did lose my perspective a little bit. And I did have a bit of a whiny text conversation with a friend just saying, but my hair looks like it's really square now and I don't want it to look square. And I knew that he was going to make it look square. So, um, yeah, communication. If you feel that it's going wrong, it's totally within your right to say something because I think half of the reason why people get so upset about their haircuts if they don't like them isn't necessarily because of the cut because you, know, you can kind of make the best of it you can wear your hair up for a bit it's because you're complicit it's because you sat there and you let it happen so this is just my word of advice saying if you're in that situation again you can feel it going south you're the one who has to live with the consequences yes that hairdresser is probably going to not probably going to because it depends how robust they are but they may hate you in the moment but you can live with that for a moment but you can't necessarily get over crappy hair so that's my advice when you're in the hairdressers have a really clear idea of what you want take pictures try and find people who've got the same hair type as you actually there's no point me going in and saying I want hair like Jennifer Aniston because she's got naturally curly hair and when it looks straight it looks thick and amazing if you put straighteners on my hair no wrong bad and awful so try and find someone who's got the same hair type as you or say to the hairdresser this is the style I want I don't really know what this actress or whoever it is I don't really know what her hair type is like can my hair do this ask that question and if you feel like the hairdresser doesn't know or the stylist doesn't know back up and 
do it another time because you know that's my advice I could go on about this for quite a long time I've just realized the other thing I discovered this week and it's kind of basic but I feel like it's one of those things where I nearly tweeted and Facebooked about it and I thought no I need more people need to know maybe it's just because I'm um, particularly um, sweaty but gym kit it's about stinky gym kit about how um, your gym kit doesn't matter how much you wash it if you are running in it or you're sweating a lot in it how sometimes you can well I know I've spent a long time trying to find those powders or those liquids that you add into your wash to get rid of like um, the bacteria because that's essentially what it is and it's really sad when you have to say goodbye to a beautiful expensive uh, performance wear shirt. I know that this sounds ridiculous, sorry, bear with me, because it stings like that. It hurts my heart to throw away good things and I feel responsible because obviously I'm the one who sweated on it. But I discovered this week that if you soak this stuff in um, tep tepid water with an antibacterial washing up liquid, um, because they're antibacterial washing up liquids and they kill 99% of germs, uh, they actually get rid of the stank. So I really do genuinely hope that helps. And I'm sorry if this sounds like a mental rant, but um, I fully believe in it. And I feel like it, I feel like the power should be there to save your good performance sports gear, because let's face it, it ain't cheap. So those are my two anecdotes for this week. Communication in the hairdresser. If you feel like it's going south, back up. It's okay to step away from the backwash and say, please can I just have a head massage and I realize that you would have booked out a period of time to get this done or you may be doing it for a particular reason but don't just get a cut because you've got a party that night or that weekend or whatever if you think it's going to go wrong you'll kick yourself for it and I think that's why we get upset and also this is how to rescue your gym gear soak it give it a mush around and a load of antibacterial um washing up liquid leave it for a bit then put it through a normal uh, rinse it has saved loads of stuff and it works on delicates as well so like the sports bras and stuff so yeah there you go i hope that that's been really helpful please do tweet me and let me know if that has rescued any of your gear or saved your hair it would make me feel good and you can tweet me at emmaguns.com no you can't because that's a url you can tweet me at emmaguns <laughs> you can also uh, dm me on uh, twitter where i'm at emmaguns i'm also at emmaguns on instagram so why not leave a comment under the show notes uh or dm me i'm very happy or if you want to send me an email just head over to emmaguns.com where you can click the envelope write me a message and that um email will come straight into my inbox and i have been a bit slow about being able to get back to people i've been getting quite a lot of messages but trust me when i do get back to you i will get back to you personally and um i'm very excited to hear from all of you because like i said i've had some lovely messages this week um so keep them coming so here we go kaggy dunlop a uh, fellow podcaster former um television star uh so much i hope you enjoyed this conversation i really did she was just such an incredible host i drove around to her house we started chatting in the kitchen and we started talking about how it doesn't matter what coffee machine you've got just nothing's the same as going to a coffee shop and getting a, a coffee in a paper cup and so we abandoned the boiling kettle and we actually took, well, she said, right, we're going to this place. And she took me to the most delicious coffee shop. 
uh, near where she lives and I'm now thinking about relocating because it was the best coffee. We both had almond milk lattes and it was absolutely, it, it was good coffee. It was some good stuff. And uh, Kagi is a bit of a, an aficionado. She knows her coffee. So um, I felt uh, I felt like I'd been let into a secret club. So I felt very uh, special. But yeah, she was a warm host. She was very gracious. She was very open. I very much enjoyed the chat and I hope that you do too. All of the links to everything we talk about as ever will be in the show notes on emmaguns.com and I hope you enjoy it. So here it is, The Emma Gunn Show with Kagi Dunlop. Hi, Kagi. Hello. Kagi's just introduced me to a fantastic coffee shop. And so if we get a bit <laughs> larry... I feel like I've gone from half asleep to like jittering and shaking in the mouth. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's we'll be good. fine. It'll be good. But we've, um, we're drinking almond flat whites and it is... They are delicious. That's good, right? You want another one immediately, don't you? No, no, no. This is my second of the day. Two, that's the maximum can't overdo that because you were just saying to me that you were thinking about maybe quitting yeah but I think you know we all need advice and if coffee is my vice then so be it but I'd like to be able to try and not do it for a week but like I said I'm going to this my clinic next mm. week so I'm going to be forced off it I am so excited for you I know I think that's going to be slash scared I mean I am scared for you <laughs> but I'm also very excited because um it's a really incredible place to go. Like, if you're going to go and do it, do it there. Mm. It's the best. And like I said, I have two friends who are currently there who keep Instagramming their breakfasts. I like tiny little slice of avocado or something. <laughs> but just imagine how incredible you'll feel I'm going to feel really week. coming back. You'll feel... You'll be floating. This is what I plan to float home, basically. <laughs> well, you wouldn't have to do your speedy boarding. <laughs> Um, I'm also, it's lovely to be chatting to a fellow podcaster and we're having a bit of a, well, we're not having a mic off, but it's the first time I've come to a recording and my guest has had their own microphone. I know we have the same microphone, which, you know, reassures me that I've got the right microphone because I didn't really know. I'm very new to podcasting. It's a Mm -hmm. complete foreign territory to me, but I have enjoyed doing it a lot. I Mm -hmm. really enjoy doing it actually. What made you start it? Um, so a girl in LA got in contact with me on one of my sort of general email addresses that anyone can contact. And, and I love this about this story. Just <laughs> yeah, it's so random. Totally random. Also, she had probably emailed me like six months before I responded, me being me, just suddenly like doesn't go on these email accounts and then randomly does. And I saw that she contacted and I was like, yeah, like, you know, let's meet for a coffee. I don't know what was going on with me. I think I was just feeling a bit unsettled in LA and a bit homesick. And Mm. I was going through some stuff and I just pretty much offloaded onto this girl. We just kind of had an understanding of each other and I just felt very safe to do that. Mm. And then I said, you know, we started talking about things that I want to do and 
and kind of about you know the public perception of me created from the show and Mm -hmm. then like my authentic self and how I could communicate that Mm -hmm. um because obviously Instagram and all these social media outlets where people project a certain vision of themselves on is like very Mm one-dimensional whereas a podcast allows you to really get to know someone and I think connect to people in a very meaningful way Mm. so that was kind of the reason for going into it and then also because I wanted to do a book oh and what would the book be on just lessons from the podcast well I started writing this book when I left Made in Chelsea and I moved to Australia um, and I had some people get in contact about doing a book with me and I remember meeting with one ghost writer and she she wrote like a draft based off what we'd like discussed and sent it to me and I was like no 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 no, no. this is not my voice this is not but it was almost like that's how she thought I should sound I found that quite an interesting right okay and then I was like if I'm going to do one it's going to be me writing it and it's going to be in in my way and I always wanted um it to be like half poetry poetry. (laughs) so that the and it was going to be called girl's guide to the galaxy so that's kind of the name of the podcast yeah which is also available on itunes and the link will be in the show notes obviously yeah so one of the so i've listened to a few of the episodes i was telling you earlier and the thing i liked about it is basically saying or creating a safe place by saying actually it might look, as you talk about this one-dimensional life that we have on social media, we all have it. I have one. It's completely not real, really. And, but you've created this space where you've said, it's okay, actually, I've had these feelings, and it's really, it knocks you. Mm. And you've talked about anxiety, you talk about self-confidence. And what's the feedback been like? Because you talk about the connection, and I'm sure you must have had people already getting in touch and just saying... It's, been, it's honestly been the most rewarding thing like I've done in a really long time, the feedback from it. Like it's made me so happy because people actually take the time to send me quite long messages and I read them all about how, you know, it affected them when they heard it and it's just been such an overwhelmingly good response. Did you realise that? Because I know for me, the first time I put a podcast out there, I thought, I know for sure my family will probably listen to it. Mm. But... I didn't know who else. I mean, it definitely, like, I think it, I hope it's going to continue to grow. But for me, I really, I did it for myself. And then, you know, just wanted to put it out there. But Mm. I didn't really have any expectation of how other people would respond to it. I didn't really think they would. Um, So that was really nice to see. Because it's just, if you're feeling alone in something, I think that's why these things really help because you're like, oh, they've, that person's experienced too. Especially someone that you see in the limelight to a mm-hmm. degree and then you think they're probably never feeling this way. So I think that's Well, the perception of you, if people have only ever experienced you through watching Made in Chelsea, is that you have a very busy social life. <laughs> you're probably not alone that much. That's actually not true at all. Exactly. I'm alone all the time. <laughs> I'm like become. I used to be very, very, very social, and I used to almost like force myself to be. I think a bit. That was like my priority when I was a teenager. Was like to be this kind of girl that was out and about, and 
And I looked at other girls that were that, and I, I thought, that's what I want to be. Mm. And then the irony is I probably became it, and I was like, this is so not who I am. But I think that's a common story with lots of people. They try, they aspire to be something, and then they get there and think, mm, feels different from yeah. what I thought. Yeah, exactly. Because that was the sense of, um, yeah, if you look at the show, wonderful social calendar, great fashion, amazing cars to and from the airport and um yet there was always a sense that you had a much stronger sense of self and maybe you were obviously on it but you weren't invested in the same way Mm. if that makes sense I was quite at odds with myself doing it because it was like they the produce one of the main producers who's you know still a dear friend of mine she was like you're you were always half out the door like you were Mm. never really sure whether you wanted to be there and it is that thing of when I grew up I'd look up to these girls at these like capital VIP parties and like the feathers ball and I was like god they have no like worries they are so beautiful and they have x y and z and therefore they're probably happy Mm -hmm. and then kind of pursued that I guess on some level and then made Chelsea like me and me and Chelsea was the epitome of that Mm -hmm. And then I realised that that was completely inauthentic. Well, I was still very much myself, but I wasn't... I didn't feel like it was worth anything. Did you go to an all-girls school? No, mixed all my life. Ah, see, I went to all-girls, and that just reminded me of when I was a first year and I'd look up to the sixth formers. And then you'd do your time, you'd do your years, and then you get to sixth form and you'd still feel like a nerd. Yeah. I thought this looked... I thought this was more glamorous and more exciting... Yeah. But no. I think that's just life. (laughs) Like, it's going to get better in a few years, right? And then it just keeps going. On the show, you've talked about that kind of um, making peace with certain things and sort of being kinder to yourself. Mm. And this came up as a theme in one of the previous episodes of this idea that if you think of happiness as a destination, you're you're on a hiding to nothing. If you just take the pockets of happiness as they come yeah and and that's and it's really hard because we are overloaded with information of this projection of happiness in various ways whether it's on holiday whether it's like with a group of friends and you can't possibly be doing all these things so you do yeah it means that you're always feeling like it is somewhere else it's a destination you're Mm -hmm. trying to get to and you what you really have to do is not lower your expectations but like give yourself achievable goals Mm -hmm. whether that be like oh today you know I do a podcast Mm -hmm. and then like have that satisfaction over doing it rather than like yeah but so and so's done this and they've got that many followers and like they make this much money and because that's when you're just chasing something totally that's when you drive yourself insane but it's hard I mean because happiness is it's relative so Mm. Yeah, I think it's easy to always look at other people that have more mm. and think that they're happier, but I just don't think that's true. No. Do you ever make things like five-year plans or do you have, like, a dream list? That I've made vision boards in the past um, and they... I think writing stuff down definitely, definitely helps. Well, you're a creative who writes. You write music, you write songs and you write poetry, so... Yeah. But, well, I'm very... Um, like all over scattered so I find it hard to just sit and be like okay I have so many ideas but my issue is executing them yeah you know like I like starting things but then 
my brain just gets overwhelmed and overloaded and I'm like, but I didn't have to finish it. Like, have you tried meditation to help with that? Well, this is something like so many people was like, you need to meditate. And I did, because I was going through, I think when I did um, one of the, when I started the podcast, I, I wasn't having anxiety attacks, but I was on the cusp. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd never really experienced that before. And I started meditating and then it kind of got rid of it. But me being me, then I was like, I'm fine now. I don't need to keep doing it. Whereas you do need to practice it every day. It's quite fun. So I use Headspace, Mm. which is a really popular app. I'll put the link to it in the show notes. Um, And I've noticed on Twitter now, lots of... I see people and it gets retweeted by Headspace. And you can do this thing now on um, Headspace where you can with like Nike Run or any of those fitness apps where you can share if you've had a 10-day streak or uh, you've done 365 days in a row, which for me feels like it's it's not authentic about meditation it's to go, score, yeah. But I guess it's trying to encourage people to do it True. regularly, True. which is the whole point of it. And it does. It, there's proof, scientific proof, that it actually changes the structure of your brain. Mm. But it's just sitting down for those 10 minutes. I know, but it's nothing really, is it? If you think... What was alarming was someone showed me how um, you can see how much time you spent on, like, different parts of your phone. Oh, no. And, oh, my God, I was ashamed of myself. You don't <laughs> want like, to pull at that thread. I was like, oh, my God, I spent, like, two hours on Instagram in a day. <laughs> and I can't even give ten minutes to meditate. That shameful behaviour. But completely, well, you know that that's addictive as well. I know. And I, while I'm doing it, I'm like, stop. I've deleted the Daily Mail app. Good for you. And honestly, I'm a much happier person. Me too. I've, I deleted it about six months ago. And, yeah. I've, and if I ever stumble across it again, my question at the moment, and I've nearly tweeted it a few times, and I thought, don't be that person who puts that out in the universe, but this is my share and I'm going to say it. They could not write that. They could not write the Daily Mail without the F letter on the keyboard because... When women wear clothes, they are flashing or flaunting. They, well, they just regurgitate the same sentences. It's ridiculous. And that is the same sort of addictive... I, I mean, you never feel... It's like having a Domino's. You think it's a good idea. You feel sick afterwards. <laughs> like, it's just not good for you. That's such a good analogy. <laughs> Feels like a good idea, but then you realise you've got a pound of dough in your gut. On <laughs> <laughs> your mental gut. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I really love that. Yeah, Daily Mail is mental domino. But as I said to you before we started recording, something that's quite at odds about you, given all of your output, which is creative and fun and not at all show busy, I wouldn't have said, is that um, you search your name and I'm sorry, but you did flaunt yourself in a transparent dress in Las Vegas last year. According to the Daily Mail. I know. Well, the, that's... The, I mean... And it wasn't, by the way, listeners, it wasn't a, it wasn't a see-through dress at all. No, I'm like trying to record, I'm like, did I? But you know, I think anyone that wants to do anything that is show busy or creative does to a degree need the press to work mm-hmm. with them. The Daily Mail in particular is, I mean, yeah, I hate that that comes up when you look me up. And yeah. also, I, what I hate is that if people meet me, and we're living in an age where people meet someone and they go and look them up, mm. I think. Yeah. And I hate that that comes up because it's like, then that creates a perception of me in their mind, which I feel is an inaccurate one. But I mean, you know, what can I do? 
And that's like, I didn't like, I really didn't like being in that space. I mean, I'm barely in it anymore, but that like, I used to get, that gave me anxiety where someone set up Google alerts on my phone and like every time the Daily Mail wrote something, I would get it sent to me and it's just like filled me with fear because it was, the way it's written everything then creates this public persona of you. And I'm like, this isn't me. But my voice is so small in comparison to theirs. And you wouldn't want people to think that you were complicit as well. Yeah, exactly. And like, that you set up those pat picks. No. Exactly. Yeah, but people do do that. Oh, yeah. Used to be a lot of money in it. I don't know as if there's as much anymore no, across know. the board. That's not my bag at all. So if you were trying to say to somebody who you are and what you represent which is quite a tough question but forgetting sidebar of shame and all that nonsense what would you what would you say are your core values I feel like I don't want it to sound cheesy but I basically feel like I just want to tell stories in different through in different mediums like my music is one thing and I, I think I was always told you have to be one thing and you have to stick to your lane and like a the English are very like that. We're very much like, well, if you do that, you can't go and do this. Mm-hmm. Whereas for me, it's like, I, I want to express myself in any way I can. And if I feel drawn to doing that thing, then I feel like I should be encouraged to do it, not not unencouraged. Mm-hmm. Um, so, because I don't really resonate as being defined as a singer or a real... I definitely don't connect with being called a reality TV star, even though that's more what I am than anything else by do you think well by like a google de- search definition no, 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 no. and that's what's always like I'm like I hate reality tv um I think you should be proud of it honestly I think you need to flip that on its head I, ne- I do need to now because it's like it creates a negative for me and also my observation as someone who watched it on my television with no not knowing you at all not knowing any of the people involved was that you didn't seem intoxicated by it. And it does it does intoxicate people, mm. reality well, TV. And then what happens is when people get a taste of fame, that in itself is a drug, and mm. then they start compromising their integrity in the pursuit of that. And people become sort of parodies of themselves. And I was like, I know that it may be that I'll make like more money or whatever, but I know I'm not going to be getting any closer to like my authentic self Mm -hmm. I'm going to be moving further and further away from that so that was like fundamentally the reason I was like no more do you think actually in a way if you hadn't have had that experience you might have come to wanting to find your authentic self later and actually it's a blessing that you did that earlier because it set you on a course that might have taken you longer to find I mean yeah you can't that's a more positive way of looking at it and it is definitely like I said the irony of going through my teens thinking I wanted to be a certain person because that person almost wouldn't like feel pain that's Mm. almost how it's like when I was I was so sensitive as a teenager and growing up and I just was like again look at these girls who are a bit older and I was like they don't seem like they're feeling any pain from life or anything Mm. and then I pretty much became that Mm. and it was still painful <laughs> why did were you sensitive in was it a sensitivity that made you an easy target for bullying or was it sensitive in that you just are highly emotionally intelligent probably the latter okay. I wasn't I wasn't ever really 
bullied. I mean, I had like a little bit, I think everyone does, but I wasn't, no, it was more that I was just sensitive to everything. I think my parents always said, I don't know how she's going to survive life because she's so sensitive. Really? And I still am, but my sense of self, I think, is strong enough now that I use that sensitivity for the better, whereas before I just wanted to numb it. Interesting. Um, and I think I used partying and and this like social creation of myself to to numb it. So, do you feel like when you're socialising, you can pick up? Are you one of those people who can pick up on energies? Yeah. And if so you I find it exhausting, so yes. Yeah. So that actually means that you're more of an, an introvert. introvert. Yeah. yeah. So I'm in spoke with someone about this I'm basically an introvert that guises himself as an extrovert yeah but I actually find that very draining I love being on my own mm. more than anyone will ever meet to the point <laughs> where it's like actually quite strange sometimes and I'm like you have to go out because I enjoy it in small doses with like a small group of people where mm. you actually have stimulating conversation and you develop a relationship with them and and you have meaningful conversations yeah. but going to like parties and stuff now I just don't get it. I'm saying I can't do small talk because yeah. I feel like someone's yeah. going to say, call me out and say, this is so fake. Yeah. Because like, you're so boring. <laughs> I'm like, I know I'm so boring. This is such a boring conversation. Oh my God, your dress is so amazing. <laughs> Where did you get it? And you hear yourself and you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> and you're just filling the air. Just filling the air. And yeah, I'm exactly the same. I, I can't do big events. Yeah. I've actually decided to absent myself from like big things like that in the future. Weddings and the like, especially if I don't know very many people. Because it's not that I don't want to get to know new people, because I do, obviously, but I can't do it on those terms. No. I actually went to one, because I have to force myself in LA, obviously, because I'm living alone. <laughs> I'm not going to meet anyone in my bedroom. So sometimes I have to go. And sometimes I'll walk in thinking, this was a huge mistake. I wish I wasn't here. But sometimes, like, you do meet some cool people. And I remember meeting these guys who are really, really cool and they're friends to this day. And we started having a similar kind of conversation about these parties and, like, the conversations. And I was like, well, what would it be like if I asked you, you know, how you are, if you actually answered honestly? And he goes, so I go, so how are you? And he goes, I'm scared all the time. And I was like, I love that. And he's like, I'm just scared all the time. I was like, I think we all are a little scared yeah. all the time. Because yeah. life is temperate, no one would ever say that. You should be like, yeah, everything's great. But I think if you ever, I personally, if you feel like, if you ever are honest, and you're saying it to the wrong person, yeah, they're like, oh, okay, I just need to go and powder my nose. Yeah. And they make their excuses. I know. But you may have just told them that, you your know. Your life's secret. <laughs> I'm so worried about what I look like from behind right now. <laughs> And then you realise you've just ruined it. And you're that girl at the party that no one wants to stand and talk to. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. Um, I find it very interesting that you find those sorts of things draining. But I also find it really interesting that you develop the boundaries to say, well, I'm going to absent myself. I'm going to remove myself from those things. I mean, it's such a battle, though, because I went from, you know, a few years back waking up thinking, God, why did I go out again? To now waking up going, God, why did I stay in again? <laughs> yeah, really, I get that's what I get anxiety about staying in. How pathetic is that? I think staying in is the new going out. Yeah, Ish. but you just you never know who you're going to meet. 
So sometimes you and someone said to me that their father was like, just give it ten minutes, give everything ten minutes. That's a fair point. But the difference between him saying that and us saying that is like, well, it doesn't take you an hour to get ready. Oh yeah, there's that too. And that's got a big part to play. I cannot be bothered to get. I literally dress like this ninety percent of the time. I no one can see what I look like, but I look well, like a, a sea witch. <laughs> no, it's very chic athleisure wear. <laughs> And I nearly, because I got some new yoga leggings and I thought, maybe I'll go, like, yoga Emma today. And then I just thought, no, don't. <laughs> don't. Well, I did. I did. Because if I turned up and you'd been, like, you know, suited and booted, I would have felt like a right idiot. Did you think that you would turn up and I would be, like, glam? Super glam? I didn't know. I thought you would... On Wednesday. No, I rain. thought... I actually knew that you would be a bit more relaxed. I didn't think you'd, you'd be all... Yeah. I, I think I knew I would um, find you as I expected. Weirdly. hadn't thought about that. There you go. That's good. So there's something coming out from your Instagram and your social and your podcast that is very honest. Well, that's good. Um, I, yeah, that's good. But I guess it's still, you know, I find passing like, how do I, how do I want to project myself to the world? Mm. You know, and I think you can over analyze it sometimes and you don't want it to seem contrived in any way no this Um, is true and I think that was a big thing for when I went into music the music world felt like this world that I was an imposter in and probably only now do I feel like I've earned my spot because you are so you're splitting your time hey it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith co-star of my upcoming film If only in theaters May 17th do you want to tell people the big news all right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Between London and LA, is that right? Yeah, right it's now? been more LA. Um... But now, I don't know. Because when I release my single, I'll... If, like, everyone in the UK hates it, I'll be like, well, stay in LA. <laughs> um, so I'm just kind of seeing where where it drives me. So what's the split with... How come LA? Is that just because that's where you have to be to make music these days? No, but I think that... It was like a fresh start. Not that I needed a fresh start, but I'm very, I like moving to new places and I like experiencing new things mm-hmm. and new people and putting myself out of my comfort zone and it felt like if I stayed in London I was going to be trapped in this sort of routine a little bit right. um, I wouldn't be able to evolve in the way that I n- knew that I needed to mm-hmm. so I kind of needed to go somewhere on my own that's really interesting I listened to a podcast with a guy called Joe Rogan, who I absolutely, his voice is just incredible. But he was talking about the concept of working nine to five with a few of his guests and just saying that to him it was almost toxic. He just couldn't, he, he physically, it's just not compatible. Not because he's work shy or because he doesn't have a work ethic, but because he's a creative. And mm. so he could be just as on at 3 a.m. as he would mm. be at one o'clock in the afternoon. Does routine. Is routine something that you can't, you struggle with? with? It's funny because 
I struggle with both routine and authority, yet I need them both. <laughs> so it's an interesting one. Because, yeah, if I was... Get, I mean, I, I don't think I could handle a nine-to-five. I see that as a sort of prison and, mm. a, and a cage. But I find it quite frustrating sometimes when I have a lack of routine and yeah. a lack of, like, knowing what's happening the next week, you mm. know. And especially with the moment with trying to finish the music in the way that I am, I'm very much on other people's schedules and it's literally like... You know, sometimes it, it feels pretty glamorous if I'm in a cool studio, but it's really relying on... Other, like favors from other people, and they'll sometimes be like, you know, the studio's cancelled because someone big's had to come in, so you can't. Right. Or it's like, I look, most of it I'm going in at night, and I'm not. You know, he, that guy says that he can t- switch on at three a.m. I find it really hard. Mm. Um, I I get to about one in the morning, and my voice gets really tired. And I'm like, I just want to be in bed. So, but you know, that's kind of how. But do you wake up in the middle of the night, light goes on, notepad comes yeah. out, and suddenly there's a story on the page? Um, with with writing, it does kind of come... It usually comes when I'm doing other things. I mean, I've, I've become quite OCD with sitting down, and I'll just go over and over and over and over and over and try and writing, and sometimes that puts me in a bit of a dead end because mm-hmm. it ends up... I end up writing worse than it, I, it was before yeah. I even started meddling in it. But... Moments when it just comes to your like, inspiration come when, yeah, like I'm doing other things. Like I was in a yoga class the other day in LA and there was this instrumental song playing and this melody just came in my head and I had to keep lying there. So I was just like replaying it in my head. I was like, don't forget it. And then, I mean, if, if I lost my phone. Are your the, audio notes? Yeah, or... oh my God. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what I would do. I'd also be very embarrassed if someone found them. They'd be like, skull's insane. <laughs> but that's, yeah, it's just filled with like a thousand or something. When did you start storytelling? Forever. Forever. Like, I started writing poetry properly when I was probably 12 um and that was the first way I started doing it because that for me when I felt and I always felt very alone most of the time and if something was troubling me I would I wouldn't really know how to express it sometimes or understand why I was feeling how I was feeling and I would just start writing something not really realizing that it was connected and then by the end I was like oh this is how I feel but because I'd made it something that was kind of beautiful mm. it got rid of the sadness took out the sting or yeah the... yeah yeah so it was like a dopamine your own way of ther- like you therapised yourself yeah if that is a word yeah and I mean it definitely now I've been able to put that into music and songwriting but it's I still need to give my time to poetry as well because that it's nothing like that. See, as somebody who doesn't do that, I sort of think, are they are they not very, very similar? But do you see them as two very different entities, like the well, poetry one, and the song? The music is more, there's a certain... And when I first did it, I did it in the same way that I do poetry. But now I've like learned that there's a discipline and there's a certain uh, way of constructing it that you have to do. So it's like not just for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to have a commercial hat on too. So sometimes I'll write a song that's really just for me, and then I'll, like after I'll be like, "Yeah, this, this isn't going to cut it," <laughs> but it's nice to have just for me. Whereas it's probably easier to say that kind of stuff for the poetry. 
Interesting. But even with poetry, like, you have to go back in, you have to, like, tweak things. And with the idea of the book that I'm having, I've written out all the poems, but I even some that I wrote when I was 15, I'll still probably tweak them a little bit because there I would just do a first draft and that would be all I need. But if it goes out to the masses, they need to mm. be able to understand it. Okay. And it needs to mean something for them. Interesting. I'm a terrible poet, so I'm in awe of anyone who can make it not sound tragic. I think it's just such an understated... <laughs> or Like, no one appreciates poetry that much. Mm. There's a guy called Atticus. It's become like a bit of an Instagram sensation. Um, and he's an amazing poet. Atticus. Yeah, he's got he's got a book called Love Her Wild and he just has a way of writing these really short poems and it's it's amazing. Would you do a poetry night like the slam poetry that uh, they do at the cafes? I would love to do that. I would abs- that is something that's on my list of things to do. That's pushing yourself out of your comfort zone again, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, which again, you know, I've like become I don't know. I need to push myself out of my comfort zone more. I can, mm. I can do it easily if it's just on the spot. Like, I went skiing with these people, I think it was two years ago, and I'd met, and they were this, like, quite loud family. I'd never met them before. I was with my boyfriend at the time. And they were, like, these really loud, outgoing characters, like, slightly intimidating, I guess. And they caught on to the fact that I liked poetry and wrote poetry, and they were like, right... You're going to write a poem and we're going for dinner in two hours and you're going to get up and read it and it's going to be about us. And I was like, okay. So I sat there while we were watching the film, quietly writing this poem. And then that dinner, they were like, do it, do it. And they didn't actually think I would. And I got up and I, I read this poem about them and they were like, this is the best thing ever. Because it was obviously like funny. I had to make it a funny one. <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, when it's more off the cuff, it's easy. But when you have time to think about it it's mm. easier to kind of tap out mm. who would you like to and I'm thinking more specifically with songwriting here who would be your dream collaborator who would you love to write with hmm. <laughs> the look on your face is amazing <laughs> I mean I'm like god there's so many people Nash, do you know Nash? His son, he did that song, I Hate You, I Love You. I mean, he didn't write it, but he, he kind of raps on it. Mm. And he's someone that I think would fit very well with my music. Mm. Um, and then I'd love to write with Plan B. Interesting. How would you just, what, what is your style of music? It's a sort of soft, ethereal pop. Um, like you mean that sounds so appealing soft ethereal pop it is because I mean it took me such a long time to figure out what my sound was I, mm. and I think anyone in the music industry or trying to establish themselves as an artist will understand because it's part of you know there's the visual of your branding and everything but then there's your sound mm. um so that took me kind of a long time to figure out and mm. now I kind of get it and so it's become second nature to replicate that but you know in in different ways so yeah I'm trying to think who I could like I mean my idols are Lana Del Rey and Licky Lee 
So I was going to ask you about your inspirations just generally, because I feel, I feel like you probably have a few favourite authors. Yeah. Like your ride or die books that you probably go... I don't, do you have ride or die books that you go back to again and again? Uh, there's one I'm reading at the moment called The Rosie Project, which is a really good one. Um, but I tend to... I quite like self-help <laughs> A whole world opens up to you with mm. self-help. It's just having to know... For me personally, and I'm very keen to get your thoughts on this, you have to know how you feel about it. Otherwise, you just end up flitting from one cult to another. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the power of now, that's like constantly... Mm something I go back to and then RuPaul is a big fan of that book my bro- I started it and I need to take it when I go to Austria next week because I, everyone should read it but my brother said like, you need to take my copy of The Alchemist and he's like it will change your life oh mm. heavy maybe you should download Audible maybe. do you do audiobooks I've just got started getting into them mm. um yeah Depends whose voice it is, though, because sometimes it can sound quite flat. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I had one. Wasn't the power of now something similar to that? Wasn't return to love? Was it? Mm -mm. I listened to that and I didn't like the voice, which was a shame. Yeah, the voice was just a bit monotonous, and I was like, "Mm." it was helpful. Mm. So. Talk to me about LA and talk to me about the travelling because I didn't realise you actually lived in Australia. You said you lived in Australia after Made in Chelsea. Yeah, I think I wanted to get away from it so much that I moved to the other side of the world. (laughs) But I've always had this really strong connection with Australia. From Mm. I visited when I was twelve with my family and just fell in love. Honestly, it was like falling in love. I have this strange connection with the place and the people. Like most of my friends in LA are Australian. I just love it. It felt like going home when I went there. Whereabouts was, was it? Because the Sydney. thing about Australia is, A, it's huge, and B, it's so varied in terms of... Yeah, it was, it was Sydney, really. I've heard that, this, that Sydney is, like, a cleaner, nicer London. It's probably, like, a cleaner, nicer LA more. Because mm. it's like... I mean, I was living in Bondi by the sea. It's just a great way of life. You can't really beat it. Now... I have never been to Australia. I would like to go, but I do worry about spiders. I honestly never saw one. Okay. I wouldn't let that put you off. <laughs> because, yeah, I think you have to be slightly rural. So do you, have, do you feel like sort of getting a sense of you like to... This is obviously your home where we are now, but do you, do you like to have lots of bases? I think I do. I think I'd like to almost like create a home in lots of places around the world where I have, like, my friends and everything. Because mm. I think people here... I, f- I love coming back here and obviously seeing everyone, but I, everyone's very in this routine, like, everyone's having getting married and having children. Mm. They see the same people and do the same thing. Whereas I'm, like, just have this bug to travel. Mm. Um, and I think it's an amazing thing to be able to have, like, different homes around the world. Yeah. Like, I'm desperate to go back to Australia this Christmas and see, like, all my old friends and stuff because Australians do seem to have... They're so hospitable and you don't you may not see them for a year, but when you do, it's like you saw them the day before. Mm. It's a very friendly place. I've never met yeah. an Australian who wasn't lovely. <laughs> exactly. Um, 
How old are you now, by the way? 28. 28. You just talked about something quite interesting about people settling down, and that does happen. Mm. And if you're not doing it, you can sometimes um, feel that you're being pulled towards it. Mm. I'm saying this as someone who's got 11 years on you and has been through it and still goes through it. I mean, I don't find it that hard, but it's... And in LA, I don't really think about it at all because Mm. people in LA, by and large, are there in the pursuit of, like, their dream and therefore it's, like, quite a selfish existence. So (laughs) children and family is not really the priority, whereas here... I mean, it's like wildfire. I, there's so many people I know that have got engaged this summer. And it does make you think, God, oh, should I be doing that too? Mm. But it's just not where my head's at. Completely get it. And I don't think that that's anything... I, I, it's so old-fashioned that we're mm. still living in a society when people are like, well, you know, you should be thinking about getting a husband and stuff. I'm like, why? Because we're going to live so long. I don't want to be with someone for like... 60 years (laughs) is it important to you to be self-sufficient yeah I think yeah because there's always a power dynamic in relationships and I think if you know it has to be balanced to a degree and if you are self-sustained and you kind of are complete individually then whoever else comes along is just a plus and that's Mm. how it should be I think we live in a time where people are very codependent on each other. Mm. And that, for me, has always been a negative, ultimately. And it feels more and more, I hear, I'm hear i hearing more and more about codependence and actually how a lot of the um, dynamics that we perhaps are meant or encouraged to aspire to of these like very intimate relationships, be they platonic, romantic or whatever, they're actually stifling. Mm. Mm. which I think is quite true. <laughs> yeah, because you are... It's sort of putting a plaster on something, whereas you're supposed to be exposed to life and all your vulnerabilities and, like, work through them individually. And mm. I think... I, I don't... I can't... You know, this is prescriptive to me, but definitely in the past, I've gone from one relationship, then whatever's gone wrong, and then I kind of go to the opposite. So I then will find someone that whoever... Whatever the previous person didn't have they possess right to balance it out but then of course once I've like balanced myself out I'm like well actually I don't need these things anymore and the things that I do need you don't have oh my god I would love to see a timeline of your ex-boyfriends <laughs> I bet they just went because I'm suspecting there's no type it's not like all there's no yeah no no I'm very like I can imagine you finding love anyway I don't I mean yeah I don't think there's a type. No. And I always noticed, whenever anyone has ever said to me, around the time of getting engaged to someone, I hasten to add, um, the thing that really took me by surprise is they weren't my type. The, I, if I had a pound for every time somebody said... Well, that worries me a little bit. Because <laughs> then it's like, well, then why are you marrying them? <laughs> but, I mean, what I will say is, after being single now for a year and a half, which is, for me, the longest in a long time mm-hmm. that I've been single for. I definitely look back and I think I wouldn't date you now. <laughs> in a good way. Like, I've, I know who I am and I know what I want and I don't need anyone. Whereas before I felt like I needed someone. I was and listening- then compromised. Yeah. I was listening to um, an interview with someone the other day, um, female author, and she's in a relationship, but she's... Um, 
broken up with this guy and she just said because I look back at my life and the, the uh, times when I'm most creative are when I'm by myself mm. Mm. and she actually realised that not being in a relationship was going to aid her creativity yeah I, yeah, I can. I feel like I did have a little bit of a choice at the moment. I was like, because I'm so tunnel vision, mm. and if I met someone, and if they were in any way, you know, they would take up all my attention, and I would give it to them, and that's my own flaw. But then it would take away from what I'm trying to achieve. So I kind of had to just be like, well, let's just park that aspect of my life for the moment. When you say tunnel vision, I I would feel like that would give me a different vibe. Or based on what we've chatted about, I feel like you'd be more likely to correct me if I'm wrong. By the way, um, pack a bag at four o'clock in the morning and say, "Right, I have to get to LA," and it's just you doing things on your own terms. But it's not necessarily tunnel vision of, and everyone else can go suck it. It's just, <laughs> I love you all. I'm here. Call me. But by the way, I'm off. Kind of. Yeah, I mean, it, it is that. But what I'm saying is that if a relationship came along, I'm such a romantic person, that I would then go, we're going to, you know, ride off into the sunset and this is all my focus is right now. Right. Whereas it needs to be, I'm packing my bags, I'm going to LA, right. I'm going to finish what I started. That's what I'm saying. It's like, I find it hard, to, I think, to have both. Right. Now, to do both. And the relationship stuff, which I completely get you feel is almost restrictive. I mean, again, it could. Mm. It could be someone that comes along that's incredibly stabilising and keeps me focused and it's just what I need. But then there's always the possibility that they're going to, you know, drain me. Well. Which is quite possible. Quite, especially if you're emotionally intelligent, you're giving and you're sensitive to what other people want. You give more sometimes without even realise you're doing it. Yeah. Also, I always used to be guilty of moulding myself to the person that I'd met. So if I met someone and I really liked them, I'd basically be like, okay, I'd read their energy and their personality and whatever they want from someone and mm. be that character. Um, Let's pause. Right, listeners, we had a little break there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because Kagi's mum came home and we needed a bathroom break and I hope you will forgive us. Um, so from relationships... Let's talk about the relationship you have with storytelling, which is which I would say maybe your greatest love. Yeah, and also I guess Thank you so not, much for agreeing. Well, well, no, it is because it's it's the, been the most rewarding, and um, you know, being able to create something and then and put it out into the world, and that be a statement of who you are in that moment. I think is 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 a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and before. You know, I went down the direction of, like, me and Chelsea and stuff. I was at drama school in New York, and that was always, like, my Which first... drama school? Lee Strasberg. Mm. So that was always... He's, he's the... Isn't he the creative method? Method, exactly. Ah. Um, and that was always... That's always been, like, how I really see myself. Um, and then the music was something that kind of... I did very privately. Never thought in a million years I would ever mm. do it professionally I mean it's it's just bizarre and then the poetry so I guess like I'm trying to like combine those things Mm. now and we're living in a time where you can basically create your own profession anyway I think to a degree like with with able to PR yourself and everything like that 
So if I can combine those three mm. and that be my sort of USP, so to speak, that would be amazing. And you've recently completed a film. So yeah. I had no idea that you acted. Mm. So I, start, like, I started auditioning again in London, which, I mean, any actor will understand, like, it's hard because you get, you get very close to something and then you don't get it. Or, mm. So there's been a lot of, like... Uh, excitement and then disappointment. But how? But did you have you heard the story about um, you know the actress Sean Young? Yeah, she wanted Catwoman when Michelle Pfeiffer got Catwoman, and um, actually didn't get the role. And I think tried to convince them by dressing up as Catwoman and going to the studio. I don't want to get sued, but I heard that story in another podcast because she was so invested. Wow. So I don't think you've done. I that. think I need <laughs> like. Well, she didn't get it, <laughs> so she just dressed as a cat for no reason. <laughs> I mean, I don't know whether that's, like, what I should do. But I'm also, like, I'm not naturally thick-skinned enough. I'm having to learn to mm. grow a thick skin because you do have to take all the rejection on the chin and just, yeah, and knock mm. doors down. So that's something I'm adjusting to. But then also creating my own projects mm. um, and my ideal roles and everything. So... Me and a girl that met at drama school in London because I went and studied again after me and Chelsea in Covent Garden, and we wanted to like do a scene for our reel, and then ended up getting this director on board, and then like spent a couple of months workshopping this idea, and ended up going and filming in Guadalajara last year, which was the like it was the most incredible experience. <laughs> it really was. I couldn't. We were going round. We had. The police escorting us because of all of our equipment. And we had, like, a huge cast and crew by this point. I mean, it really was, like, an <laughs> extravagant short film. Oh, my goodness. Um, you know, I play someone that's very, very different from who I am. So it'd be interesting. Is that good therapy? Yeah, but actually at the time, because we were all so close, we were, like, so close to one another, mm. I, it got a bit merged between who we are on and off set kind of yeah. thing. The dynamic came into play. Yeah. I was like, am I a horrible, horrible person? Because <laughs> I play a horrible, like, not the nicest of people, so... Um, but I do definitely gravitate towards roles like that a little more. I don't know what, what. I also sort of... Again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like if someone said, hey, kid, J-Law dropped out and we want you, I don't know as if that juggernaut movie experience would necessarily be a win for you what you mean in terms of blockbuster yeah yeah I definitely want to do more indie film Mm -hmm. that is where um I see myself that yeah and And that would be more rewarding and writing your own I mean I have like x projects in my head that I want to complete in my life but Mm -hmm. obviously if if I get given the opportunity to do um, anything else from anyone else because you know creating your own stuff is really hard yeah um, and it takes a really long time but at least then you get to create you know the own perception of yourself that you're putting out into the world by the kind of roles you're you're doing and I would love to do TV again in England but just as long as it was scripted and acting <laughs> <laughs> dramas as opposed to you know to... I actually want I would want to do something... I think it would make more sense for me to do something that was um, sort of more along the vein of comedy, actually. Really? Yeah. In England. Um, I, yeah. 
So if Jennifer Saunders called you off and said, cags. Not like <laughs> so on the nose, but more kind of like I'd done a treatment for an idea that I know skins wasn't funny, but like a, a similar format to that, mm. but more comedy based. Like, I guess fresh meat or something like that. creative minds really interest me because they're busy and Mm. they are constant and they they can move really really quickly exhausting yeah that's where I think the stimulation of being in a room full of people and only doing small talk is too much because your brain's going well I can't process all of this I need to but it does that on its own anyway Mm. in life (laughs) with all the people in my head are just going like do that do that do that I'm like shut up (laughs) But one thing um, uh, that seems to come hand in hand with the creative brain is um, the ability to go to dark places. Yeah. But, I mean, I think I am an extremist in the sense that I can go very, very up Mm -hmm. naturally, but then I can go very, very down. So, yeah, Mm. Um, you get the light and the dark. And that is what good art is, isn't it? Yeah, I guess. Kind but of goes with the turf. When you know that, because I think most people know when they're heading down, do you have any mechanisms in place to haul yourself out? And would it be, I'm getting on that plane and going to LA, a change of scenery is what I need, or I need a to create A change of scene definitely, definitely helps. Um, and then it's also knowing what situations that are going to be a good idea and what situations are going to be a bad one and should be avoided. Because it's not... A, like, other people may say, oh, will you go to this place, you'll have fun, and, and it, it will be a good thing. Whereas I know myself, I'm like, I go to that place, X, Y, Z will happen, and mm-hmm. then it will spiral afterwards. Right. So it's just really knowing what situations I can and can't be in, probably more than anything. And just, like, looking after myself. Yeah. And how... It's, it's such a broad question, but how do you look after yourself and how do you begin to understand what those triggers may or may not be? I mean, it really just like a day-to-day, you know, eating the right stuff, limiting the amount of coffee and, like, avoiding alcohol. It's like the really... The basics. <laughs> the basics. That's yeah. the basics. And obviously, try, like, yoga and everything like that definitely does help. Um, and practicing what you're grateful for in the morning or whenever you're feeling mm. what I do at the moment is if I start that negative voice starts like going into overdrive I have to actually actively speak and to tell it to stop mm. so you'll see me like cycling around London sometimes I'm like no 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 <laughs> um and by speaking out loud it kind of quietens it so that's one thing and then also by saying 10 things that I'm grateful for about my life um that helps and then yeah I mentioned it in another podcast but someone said about is if you're a cat watching a mouse hole and the like the negative thought is going to come out of the mouse hole and if you just watch it it doesn't come out I talked with Chloe about that wait that's interesting so if you watch it well you know if you're just kind of like mindlessly sitting there and then suddenly before you know it you're like having anxiety because your brain has just suddenly gone off on this mm-hmm. tangent and like the world is now doomed mm-hmm. it's basically like you imagine yourself as if you're a cat watching a mouse hole and 
negative thought is like going to come out of that but if you just watch it it just doesn't come out it's just this weird mm. thing that if you try it it does actually work interesting yeah so it's like a weight you're like okay what's going to come out of there and because you're concentrating on it it doesn't come out it's the same as like if you were hiccuping and I was like I'll give you a grand if you tell me just before you hiccup you won't hiccup <laughs> I'm going to try that next that time is, that is honestly it's never failed so someone's got the hiccups and you will say if you can tell me the next time you're going to hiccup just before you hiccup I'll give you a thousand pounds and no one has ever succeeded the hiccups just go listeners please try out this technique it's and tip tweet, the day. tweet us back <laughs> if that does actually prove to be successful for you I love that so if, you're, so if you feel the darkness then pretend you're a cat looking at a mouse hole and then pretty when, much <laughs> and then when you um, when you when you realise well nothing's coming out of the mouse hole look, at, look up is that kind of the vibe just look away and just carry on and yeah, I guess so. Just look at it as, for as long as you need to. <laughs> <laughs> and also just kind of turning off technology, I definitely think. That's yeah. fueling a lot of negative stuff. I've started with all devices, don't go in the bedroom. That's good. Except the iPad when I'm doing my makeup because I have to watch A Real Housewives of Somewhere. Really? Yeah. It's like mindless TV when I'm doing uh, my not makeup. Not allowing yourself to be on a phone in the morning or at night. Is a good discipline. Yeah. Like when you first wake up. Although, um, who was it who gave them to me the other day? Um, I got these glasses and they look like, you know, at the end of Mr. and Mrs. Smith, when they go into the home depot, like it looks like a big Ikea mm-hmm. and they put the suits on and they've got the guns and they put those yellow glasses on, yellow lens glasses. And I'll put the link in the show notes, but, um, oh, I know who it is. It's the organic pharmacy. They've got these glasses now that have yellow lenses that you're supposed to use when you're using your computer or your phone. And it counters the blue light. Really? That's smart. So, yeah. Huh. Interesting. I thought, they were, I thought that was a really smart idea. So now in the evenings, if I am on my iPad for a bit, I will put them on. <laughs> Which looks a bit bizarre. <laughs> that is a great look. <laughs> it is a great look. It's kind of, yeah, I mean, it's not my best look with my pyjamas, but equally, it's, um, it does make me feel like at least I'm trying. Yeah. If I, can't, if I do want to watch something in bed on the iPad, then at least I feel less guilty about mm. it. Um, before we draw to a final close, let's, talk, let's tell the listeners where they can find your podcast and who is it aimed at? Who is it designed to help? It's really for, I mean, it's aimed at um, women and, you know, girls, young girls that are going through any anything that they're finding, like, emotionally challenging and that they feel alone in because... And also, like, I encourage anyone that listens to it um, to write in with stuff that they want to want to hear about because it's really mm-hmm. limitless in, in the subjects. And it's just basically someone trying to give an honest account of you know, what I've been through and dispense my advice. It's very much a note to my former self. If I could tell 16-year-old Kagi or 20-year-old Kagi or whatever, mm. the things I know now, this is what they would be. Such a useful resource. Because mm. I constantly in my head, I'm doing it anyway, do you know what I mean? Mm. I'm like giving someone advice. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, well, if I'd known this, then I would have done X, Y, and Z. So it's just... It's nice to be able to actually put that into practice. 
And do you feel like putting it into practice and putting it on the podcast makes peace with that? So rather than beating yeah, yourself up totally. with it. And that's why it. I say I, like it came from a point of just doing it for me because mm. it's like putting it out there and to putting it's like if you your mind it's why people write notes because it puts it out of your mind and onto the paper and then you kind of make peace with it so it's the same sort of process there's scientific proof that if you write things uh, the way that the brain registers it whether it's learning or um connecting emotional dots it's actually proven to be a very positive yeah. thing which is why at school i was always had to write all my notes a thousand times over exactly <laughs> all right well i'll be putting the links to everything that kagi is doing which is a lot so yeah that's girl's guide to the galaxy <laughs> um and then yeah well my music it won't be out yet but it's coming up really soon i got the single back yesterday <laughs> and how does that feel it's gonna feel really good when i put it out there but i feel like i'm so scared about it i'm so scared about what people's response is gonna be but i've got to the point now where i'm like I've just got to dive in. Do you have to do that thing where you detach from what people's reactions are whilst also wanting them to like it? Yeah, but how do you do that? I have no idea. That's, you just have to kind of not not care because that sounds like, mm. oh, I don't give a shit, but it's more, you know, you're, you do it for you mm. and then anything else is a positive. Yeah. And you just don't let the negative in. So we have music, we have the podcast, we have a film coming to a screen near you hopefully soon it's only a short film it doesn't matter it's still a film yeah um hopefully that will do the the festival circuits and stuff like that which will be amazing well as soon as uh we get dates for any of those we'll put i will put the links in the show notes and obviously share on um social media so that you guys can click through and see it for yourself but for now kaggy dunlop thank you so much thank you very much it's been a pleasure talking to you Thank you so much for listening. By the way, can we just talk about how amazing Kagi's voice is? I could listen to her all day long. Now, if you want to get in touch with the show, it's so easy. You can tweet me at Emma Guns. I'm also at Emma Guns over on Instagram. And if you want to send me a slightly longer message, I'm very happy for you to head over to emmaguns.com. You can click the envelope and that message will come directly to my inbox. And if you are enjoying the show, if you've had a good time, please do go over to iTunes and leave me a five-star rating and review. It's the kind of thing that gets my show noticed, which would be fantastic. Let's share and spread the word of the Emma Gunn Show. It's been a delight having you with me. There is another fantastic guest coming along in the next episode, so keep your eyes peeled on your feed, and I hope you have an excellent time. Until then, 